We want to tell you about the Culture Proof Conference happening in July of 2024. Yes, Culture Proof Conference happening July 18th to the 20th in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church. It's going to be a great time. We have some great speakers talking about some great topics, and we're just looking for the Lord to, to truly move in our midst. This year's theme is resist. resist. As we look at what's going on in the culture, we want to be reminded of what our brother James wrote in James chapter 1, verse mm-hmm. 27b, where he told us to be unstained by this world, to keep ourselves unstained by this world. And one of the ways that we're going to equip you to do that is to alert you to what's happening in the world, alert you to what's happening in the culture, and also provide an actual practical response that keeps us unstained by the world. We have some great speakers coming out, Dr. Kathy Cook. We're going to have Dr. Taryn Dames. We have have some great things happening, like some breakout sessions. We have culture-proof kids, culture-proof teens. It's something for the whole family and so you want to register we're going to give out more information is coming but you want to register the registration will start in february so just be on the lookout for that culture proof conference 2024 in bartlett tennessee at faith baptist church we are super excited more information as we get closer make sure you stay connected Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And we just got saved. And so we are super excited. No, I'm kidding. We've been spending some time talking with Dr. Renton Rathbun, who is the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Bob Jones University. And my goodness, what a blessing he has been to us as we talk about biblical worldview. Yes, awesome. And that definition of what biblical worldview is, is that should go viral. Yeah. Because that's the greatest definition of that I've heard. So. And if you don't know what it is, you'll have to go back and listen to the yeah, previous it out. episode um, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's going to shake you. Yeah, may even yeah. May, may even lead to conversion. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but in this in this particular episode, I wanted to kind of continue the conversation, but branch out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you talk recently about depravity, Renton, and I heard you talk about like sort of the pro- the progression for or of the suppression of truth. And again, I was just so captivated. So when we talk about what we are navigating in this culture. Are we looking at just various manifestations of man's depravity? How do we understand, make sense of what what we're living in? Mm. You know, um, my my doctorate was in apologetics. And one thing that I have found about apologetics is your style of apologetics will depend almost completely on what you think is the problem with the unbeliever. Um, There are some people that believe the unbeliever's problem is that they just don't have enough information. If they had more information, then they might start believing in God. Uh, Some people believe that the problem of the unbeliever 
is that their thinking is just messed up. And if we can straighten out the thinking processes, then they'll think straight. And in thinking straight, they'll be able to understand what we're saying and then come to the Lord. And when I read Romans chapter one, mm-hmm. uh, I find that Romans chapter one is the apologetics chapter of the Bible. Because it's, you know, at the beginning it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation. So already we're talking about an apologetical idea here. But then it goes into why God is filled with wrath. It says God is angry. Mm. And he's angry at all those that are unrighteous. Well, that's everybody, right? Right. And this unrighteousness is carried out. It's made possible because our problem isn't that we just don't have enough information or that our thinking is a little messed up. Our problem is that our condition is to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's the problem. Hmm. So we begin our thinking. When someone is thinking, I mean, and this is this is where I know it's getting a little philosophical. Uh, this I like early it. In the morning. <laughs> but um, you know, philosophers ask a lot of a lot of good questions, even though they have terrible answers. Um, And one philosopher asked a really good question. Immanuel Kant asked this question, what makes thinking possible? And when you ask that, according to Romans 1, what what makes our thinking possible? What, What begins our thinking? Our thinking begins with the truth that there is a God. So Romans, if you start reading through Romans 19, 20, and 21, Everyone knows not just that there is a God, but we know the God. Mm. Our thinking is possible because we already know there's a God. We know his attributes. Um, This is clear from, from Romans 19, 20, and 21. We know his attributes because he has made it, he has made it known to us through creation, and he's implanted it in our brains so that our thinking is made possible knowing he's there. Now, as an unbeliever, where does my thinking begin? So that's what makes thinking possible. I know he's there. I know God. I can see it everywhere I look. This is way too complex to be an accident. So my thinking actually begins as an unbeliever suppressing that truth. Mm. And so uh, every explanation that I have of anything I see has to has to land somewhere other than God. Mm. And that's why you have scientists that can look at a tree and say, you know, a Christian scientist, uh, a scientist who is a Christian um, can look at a tree and say, that tree has DNA in it. That tree is an organism. That tree um, has, you know, participates in photosynthesis. And an unbelieving uh, scientist can look at that same tree and say, that tree has DNA. That tree is an organism. That tree participates in photosynthesis. And they both know what they're talking about. The issue isn't that isn't the isn't the um, definition of what they're looking at or trying to define what they're looking at. The problem is who are they giving credit to? How do they mm. explain? That's it? good. You know, where does where does this go? How do I account for mm-hmm. a tree that has DNA? How do I account for photosynthesis? And when I account for it outside of God, I'm suppressing the truth in unrighteousness.
Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Does that, does that make- <laughs> no, that's that, it does. It makes perfect sense. No, it really does. I'm I'm just processing because what I what I also hear you doing is I hear you in real life walking through Romans one. Right. right? Like I, I hear you and explaining it. And and I think it's beautiful because like I think sometimes we have this approach to God's word and we don't we don't mean to be this way as Christians, right? But we keep God's word in a certain context. And we are familiar with Romans one, but we have a very difficult time drawing out from Romans one, the, the practical understanding of what that looks like in 21st century America. Mm -hmm. Like we don't understand the ways in which we are broken. So we, we don't understand depravity. We don't understand that we have going back to Romans one, um, almost sort of like a case against us because we know inside and we know outside all from what we observe around mm -hmm. us that God is. And so much so that man is without excuse. So when you talk about the ways that we suppress this truth, the ways that we suppress the realities that are clear in scripture, can you walk us through the ways that this happens? I know you can. Will you walk us through the ways that we do, <laughs> that we do this? Yeah, so I'm. I was looking. I wanted to make sure that I'm. Um, that I'm convincing your listeners through Scripture itself. So I yeah. am. I wanna. I wanna actually read the words. <laughs> yes. Um, so that we understand that I'm not just trying to fit God into a theory. Yes. Um. So verse 18 says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness." and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. And they're not suppressing it in ignorance. They're not suppressing it because they just don't understand. They're suppressing it in unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So their sin is what they are using to suppress it. And so someone might look at Paul and say, well, Paul, um, how do you know that's true? So he says, verse 19, because... I know they're suppressing the truth because that which is known about God is evident already within them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, someone might say, okay, Paul, how is that? How, how is it evident <laughs> within me? That doesn't make any sense. And he might say, well, for God made it evident within them. <laughs> well, someone, well, how, how did he make it evident? He's at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen. Someone I say, how have we clearly seen it? He says, being understood through what has been made. <laughs> so God's creation condemns us. God's creation shows not that there is just a God around here, that we know the God because we know his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. And that's why everyone who is in hell today is in hell because they had no excuse. Mm. 
Hmm. In other words, no one is in hell thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I didn't know God. I didn't, I wasn't aware. This is unfair. There is no one in hell that can save that. And sadly, there's no one in hell that's repenting either. So, so Renton, this, this Hmm. point blank addresses the high school questions and the high school, like, let, let us give you an apologetic for this question of suffering. Like, what about the people who, who've never heard? What about, what about the people? Because I mean, that, that is the ongoing question of like, well, wait a minute. We, we understand that in order to come to Christ, you've got to hear the gospel. Um, so, so what do you do? What about the people in the far flung, you know, reaches of the world where they, they, they have not heard is, is God just that he would judge them and, and they have not heard? Yes. And that's it. I mean, God is just now this is where people have a big problem with this. And this is what I always tell my students. I bet you think that this is difficult to understand or difficult to take because you wouldn't have done it that way. Mm. <laughs> and, they, and they're like, well, no, I wouldn't have done it that way. I said, I bet you would have made sure everyone had the gospel the exact way they should have it and then sit back and hope they believe. Like, yeah, 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 that, that's more just. And I said, and that's how you would have done it. But the problem is we need to stop seeing God as Superman. Mm. Superman is just like us, but he has more power. Oh, oh my goodness. All right, pause. Hold on, hold on. Stop. Stop. Man. I don't know if you've ever been to black church before, okay? But we don't just let things go like that, right? You've got to stop for just a second. (laughs) Because you're wrecking people right now. Like, right? This is, this is. All right, so now you can continue. We just we, that's our way of running a highlighter over what you just said, Renton. Like I know yeah. in PhD world, people just say pause for a second, but we're not in that world. We're like stop. <laughs> you stop right there so that we can process that. Okay. Okay. Stop. Oh, and that's yeah. Go that's ahead. great because that's. I think, I think we do need to pause on that. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think it's the biggest mistake that even Christians make with their view of God. They're thinking God is me, but with more power um, to do things or to get things done. It's the same reason we always envy our boss and say, well, if I were in power, this is how Mm. I would do it. Because Mm. the boss is just like us, um, (laughs) just with more power. And power would work better in my hands. Right. <laughs> right hook, left hook, <laughs> uppercut. <laughs> Man, I feel like I feel like the altars are open. Everyone, come on down. Come on, no, you're, you're wow, yeah. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Wow. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And so when we look at His wrath, He is angry. So all of that, all the verses we just read, was all an explanation as as to why God is angry. God is angry. I can put it this way, because no one has an excuse for not believing in, in him. Mm. Now, what's interesting in verse 21, I believe verse 21 is the key verse to the whole chapter. I believe Paul in this chapter is trying to get to verse 21. And then from verse 21, he then explains what he means by verse 21. And so verse 21, after he says, everyone, there, you know, there's no one that has an excuse because everyone's suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And people are thinking, okay, well, well, what, what then makes 
God wrathful? Why am I, you know, how bad is this? I guess one one way of putting it, how how sinful is sin? Or how bad am I? Mm. And what I would like to say is we are as bad as any being can possibly be because of verse 21. Verse 21 says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Now, when we talk about thankfulness, we often talk about it as one of many different attributes about who we are and what we need to do. It's a duty we need to do. But what I would like to say is being thankful to God and honoring God as God is at the core of what makes us worthy to be before God. Mm. And to dishonor God, because what he's saying here is because you're around my creation, you're around me because I made that and that all points to me. Mm. And now you're not even going to give me honor as God oh. or thanks as God. <clears throat> yeah. And this condemns you to hell for eternity. So at the core of our depravity, we are as bad as we possibly can because we have treated the, the, the highest being as bad as we possibly could have. There is nothing worse, if I can put it this way, there is no, nothing worse you can do before God than to not honor him as God or give him thanks. There's nothing you can do that's worse than that. And so this is why all the sin from verse 22 all the way to the end of the chapter, that's where all that sin comes from, where we start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. We start worshiping idols. We start worshiping human bodies. We, we become homosexual. We, we, and then we get to the end of the chapter where it, it, it's this, it's this huge concerto of evil, if I can put it that way, <laughs> where we are being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. And here's one for our homeschooling listeners. <laughs> Disobedient to parents. Come on is listed in the list with slanderers, haters of God, and murderers mm -hmm. without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And when you think of that list, people think, well, you know, some, some of those things I have done, some of the things I have not done, so we can't be as bad as, as, as we could possibly be. And my argument is we've already been as bad as we possibly can be. These are the fruits mm. of how bad we are now. Wow. Yeah. The fruits. Yeah. Not everyone has the same fruits mm. to their depravity, but mm -hmm. everyone, which makes us worthy of eternity, <clears throat> eternal hell, have rejected God's honor and rejected the thanks that we deserve, that God deserves. Man, Renton. Okay. So, oh, good grief. When I, when I, mm. um, when I hear you unpack that, and then also this last, this last verse in chapter one, two, you know, I, I, I think, or I should say chapter one as well, uh, I, I think of our culture today that our culture is looking for affirmation.
And and I think about, you know, this this all of this list here um, that not only are we engaging in these things, but we give hearty approval to those who are also engaging in these things. And, and I think this is one of the things that um, the believer trips over and has not realized that Satan's very public invitation has been like actually come and affirm, come and give hearty approval to this. And almost, you know, this is attached to our ability to live in the culture. It's attached to our ability to earn a living, to be employed, um, to go to school, to to produce a show or something like that. And and it is it is probably one of the great deceptions that I think we continue to overlook. Yes. And that is that is exactly right. I mean, we look at that list and verse 32 uh, condemns us all, especially in America in 2023, soon to be 2024. Um, it condemns us because it says, yes, and although they know the ordinance of God and those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those that practice them. And so then the question is, if someone demands that I use their pronouns that don't match their sex, mm-hmm. am I giving approval to the to to their um, to their delusion and to their sin, especially in a chapter which the context has homosexuality dealt with within it? Mm. And we live in a world where if you are not affirming, mm-hmm. um, you are hateful. Right. So then the question is, am I careful about not affirming? Am I, am I being careful about that? Because I want to give honor to God and not to man. I want to give thanks to God and not to my culture. Mm. Mm. I, w- mm. I want to walk through the um, progression of how we observe depravity in man and and even how we um how we suppress the truth and i i recently heard you do this and and i think oh man so many people need to hear it um you talked about and i'll just list them but then if you could unpack them each one of them for our our listening audience um you talked about uh first you justify it then you legitimize talking about sin right you justify um you legitimize it you normalize it and then you sanctify it <laughs> yes can you can, can you can you walk us through that or yes. through, through those this is the common practice of our culture that you take something that no one agrees with and everyone knows is wrong and you first have to address it. So if you remember uh, back in back in the day, um, Ellen DeGeneres had her own TV show. Yep. This was mm-hmm. a talk show. Yep. And she came out as gay and her show disappeared. Yep. You're like, right. That's not right. Can't do it. Well, then, uh, you know, Friends, the TV show Friends comes along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Friends. And and um, they they start to try to to normalize the gay lifestyle because Ross's wife was a homosexual. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and they, it's kind of funny. And so, um, you know, we, we give it a pass, right? First we mm-hmm. give it a pass, then it becomes kind of normal. And by towards the end of that, of that show um, or the, the season, 
um, they are already showing homosexual <clears throat> marriage on the show. Mm. I mean, this is the 90s, early right. 2000s. Um, and then, uh, as you know, time goes on and it, it then becomes something that becomes legal. Uh, gay marriage becomes legal, which which means not only is it normative, but it's it's something that is um, should be acceptable. Mm. Um, and if you can't accept, I mean, they're not hurting anybody, right? I mean, that's what you kept hearing. They're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting you. It's not your business. And um, and so if it's legal, then it's it's acceptable, even if you don't like it. Well, now we live at a time where if you don't approve of it, mm. it becomes hate speech. Right. So now not only does it have to be approved of, but it has to be celebrated. In fact, what you find is it doesn't even matter about logic anymore or anything else because now it's become a religion. It's a religion that we all must adhere to the faith in the person that claims this is my experience, this is how I feel, and you need to honor the faith and have faith in them for what they believe and celebrate that. And now it's become sanctified. Mm. Our world has done that. But we tend to do it too. Mm. Um, we have movements within the church that are trying to do the same thing. Now, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll start smaller. Um, so we have... So there is a movement called Revoice mm-hmm. that has given a voice to people that I hope are struggling with, um, not accepted, but struggling with same-sex attraction. Right. And what they say, what they say is, you know, we're here to help you not give into the temptation of the activity of homosexuality. And you know, that's fine. But what they've sanctified not just made acceptable, but made sanctified is same-sex attraction. Mm. As if same-sex attraction is not a sin, same-sex attraction is actually good because now you can have closer relationships with people of the same sex that straight people just don't get. Now you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, move that into activity, but but what a gift God has given you. Mm. And so now you have people that are saying, now I'm never going to get married because I have accepted the status of same-sex attraction instead of seeing it as a sin that needs to be defeated. Mm-hmm. Because what you're saying is there is a desire I have that's forbidden by God. And that desire I have that's forbidden by God is now a gift, <laughs> is now some neutral standing that helps me be a better Christian. Man. That's insane. Yes. Right. Yes, but it's it's destructive. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is it is insane and it is eternally destructive. It is so unloving. I you know, it it the thing that grieves me and and I I want my anger to be righteous is that these people who present themselves as the loving ones mm. are so unloving. I yeah. mean, to connect this this attraction that the Lord um, you know, says deserves death and and to connect that to an identity because it you are actually saying that this is who the person is right and and this mm-hmm. idea that we can um <laughs> separate 
a practice and say, well, but this is who I am, but I will not engage, right? Well, I don't see that in the Bible. When I see Paul's letter to the Corinthians, I see him talking about what they did, but then using state of being verbs and saying such were some of you, yeah. right? Right. That That's this right. is what you did because this is who you were, but you are no longer those people and therefore you don't do those things. Mm -hmm. But we have carved out a space where we are now saying we cannot do those things, but still be those people. And I don't see a biblical justification for that. I don't see that. where we do that with uh, other sins. No. It's, it's mainly no. that <laughs> that we try to make an allowance for, you know, where you can still have this identity as this but as long as you're not acting on yeah, that. it's drawing it's drawing from the culture and and trying to normalize that in the context of the church. Mm. That's exactly correct. I mean, if if being if if a forbidden if a forbidden by God desire is a sin, then this has you know there is no such thing as gay Christianity, right? Um, just like there would be no such thing as pedophile Christianity, right? Where we would say, well, I have this desire for children, but I'm never going to act on it. But this is who I am. I'm a pedophile Christian. I mean, who would say that? <laughs> no one would say it because they're convinced that kind of attraction is a sin. Right. Come on. Even if they're not creating scenarios in their head, just being attracted to children that way, they know is a sin. Right. So no one's going to call themselves a pedophile Christian. Right. But if you feel that that desire for same sex, which is forbidden by God, is not a sin, then of course you would put an adjective by Christian like that. Mm. And and to your point, we have been, you know, let me if I, just with a, just for a couple minutes, sure. I just want to share with you something that I think is a good analogy to how we've been treating LGBTQ people, um, because I think. I think the the new kinder, gentler people out there that are trying to <clears throat> affirm them in order to win them are actually um, being quite hateful to them. Mm. Um, so this is probably relevant today. My my grandpa uh, was a Jew from Latvia, and he came to America um, before World War II. But my great-grandma and my great-aunt did not follow him. They were in Latvia, Russia, and they thought, um, you know, World War II was starting, and my grandpa was saying, please come to America, please join us in America. And, uh, and, he, and they would not do it because they had a business, and they didn't want to leave the business, and they were doing well and all that sort of stuff. And my great-grandma's response to my grandpa was, Hitler will never get to, to Russia. Well, Hitler got to Russia and my great grandma and my great aunt ended up in Auschwitz. Oh, wow. They died. Um, in Auschwitz, they had this, um, they had this thing called a, a Sonderkommando. Now, a Sonderkommando was a Jewish person that they would use to get people off the train. So when they brought Jewish people on the train, they found that having a, a Nazi soldier there to get them off the train scared them. And then they would get, you know, they would have to, they would have to yell at them and shoot some, and it was just a mess. So they thought, what if we got a Jewish person to welcome them off the train? And then the Jewish people would not trust the the soldiers when they said to go into this room that was supposed to be a shower for them. 
But the Sonder Commando could do it. The Jewish guy could do it because they trusted him because he was a Jew like them. So a Jewish person would be would be taken by the Nazis and say, you're going to be the Sonder Commando. Get them off the train and get them into the gas chamber. So this Jewish person would go to the train and say, come on, follow me, everybody. We're going to get a shower over here. And they would load them into the, into the gas chamber and and the gas chamber would turn on, kill them all. And the Sonder Commando's job was to pull out the dead bodies and burn them. Mm. Now, my fear is that as Christians who want to affirm in order to win uh, LGBTQ people, we have become Sonder Commandos. Mm. We have become people who want to oh. kindly and gently guide people to the gates of hell and let them in because we want to be nice and we want to be gentle. Mm. And the nicest, most gentle thing you can do is cry out to them <clears throat> in love. Please walk away from your sin. Please repent. None of that will sound nice. It will sound like hate speech, but it's the kindest, gentlest thing you can do to someone to keep them from the gates of eternal hell and to make sure you don't become an instrument in the hands of Satan's work when you want to affirm sin in order to win some. Man, man I'm, I'm... That's sobering. <laughs> man, I'm grieved. I'm grieved. Wow. You know, because yeah. we, we know, we know those of us who... Look, those of us for whom it is true, we know that to um, coddle someone in their sin, number one, is sin. It is sin. The Lord lists that as a part of the case that he has against humanity, that we join in that. We, we, we are doing that. We are engaging in that when, when we coddle people in their sin. But the picture that you just painted, Renton, is, man, it, it, it should, um, man, it should grieve us to no end, like to, to, to participate in that, you know, that, that picture is, um, man, it's egregious. The example that you just used, I think probably is is one of, if not the best that I've heard to jolt us out of this false sense of loving affirmation so that we can win people. Because my question is, then to what? You know, we, we heard someone years ago say that we want to practice pronoun hospitality, that we want to just be hospitable to people's preferred pronouns. And, 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 and my thought was, but, but. But isn't that lying? Like, I mean, I'm not the <laughs> smartest person in the room and, you know, any given occasion, like I'm not. But I think just from like a common sense type level, aren't aren't we lying? Even if we don't understand any other apologetic for why we would want to say no to that, couldn't we just basically say we're lying? But I think our culture doesn't even allow us to do that. That's correct. Yeah, we it's it's lying and it's participating in the deception that Satan has already um, put that person into. I mean, Satan has has put them into bondage to this delusion, and for us to add to it is to is to is to congratulate Satan on the chain he has made for that person. Oh wow. my goodness! And we have got to be. We have got to. And I and I know people are trying to hide behind. I want to be hospitable. Hospitable. I want to be. I want to show love. And I understand that, but do we understand what love is? Mm. Right. Um, you know, I think what we really want is to be polite so we don't make enemies and we're not, we don't make people upset at us. Mm. Um, I think 
deep down inside, we might find some cowardice. That's mm. really part of why we want to do that. Yeah. And we hide behind this love idea, which if we really study what love is, mm. um, we find that has nothing to do with love. Right. Right. And just as, as a point to Christian people that are struggling with same-sex attraction, please believe that God is more powerful than your sinful desires. Please believe that there is power in God's word. Please believe that the Holy Spirit's work in your heart is able to overcome your sin. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the Come world. On. And your desires are from he that is in the world. Mm. Believe in the one that is in you. Mm. We, have, we have constructed a hopeless Christianity when we tell Christians who are struggling with same-sex attraction, this is it. You're stuck. <laughs> this will never change. You will never, ever have victory over this. So just, just you know, sink into it and get used to it. There, that is a hopeless Christianity. It It is at best questioning the power of God and at worst saying God doesn't have power over that sin. Mm. He's not that powerful. So you're just going to have to live with it till he comes back. And mm. that shows a God that it, that is unworthy to be even worshipped. Mm. The, the God that we see as worthy to be worshipped is a God that overcomes this world. Come on. Amen. Amen. Oh. Amen. <laughs> Man, yes. I'm praise God um for what he's entrusted to you. I'm I'm so grateful. Like I just I I this is a blessing to the body of Christ, right? Like this is the the Lord having set us in the body and and having distributed various gifts and and abilities to each of us um that there would be no lack among us and I'm grateful for you Renton. I'm I'm grateful for not only your study but um, your willingness to be bold in the presentation of your study of God's word and the conviction that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Like this, this, this understanding only comes from the Holy Spirit. So glory to God. Um, we're out of time in this, in this um, episode, but I do, before we let you go, I want to ask you a question that we like to ask our guests um, taken from second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Tell us what you are reading right now in scripture or maybe what you've read recently that taught you, rebuked you, corrected you, or trained you in righteousness. First mm. um, John chapter two is so hard to read. Um, the first the first words of first of John chapter two tells us that John has written first John in order for us to stop sinning <laughs> as I write these things unto you so that you will, you will sin not. Now it goes on to say, but if you do, you know, you have Christ who is your advocate mm -hmm. and that's wonderful. But the standard isn't, if you do, mm. the standard is stop sinning. Mm. And that's what we always miss. Cause we, I think we'd like to read that verse as uh, I write these things to you so that when you sin, you have an advocate, <laughs> uh, but he didn't. He wrote those things that we would stop sinning. That's the standard. Now, I know we live in a world that, um, you know, we have a sin nature. We'll, you know, we'll never really have that until until Christ comes again. But be reminded that the, the standard is not go to God when you sin. The standard is to stop sinning. Mm. But if you do, you have an advocate. And that uh, challenges me mm. in my holiness. Man, that's good. Yes. Thank you so much, Renton. We appreciate you joining us today.
Thank you. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. Hey, did you know that Culture Proof has hoodies now? We do. These are the coolest hoodies uh-huh. that you out. will see in a long time. Yes. Until we <laughs> call these different statements. Yeah. You know, sometimes it may be difficult or it may not be difficult, you know, to, to uh, have a conversation about something that you, you think that's important. And Culture Proof helps you to make that statement. You can use these actually to fire off those conversations. Somebody ask you, what what is culture proof? You can you can tell them. Yeah, it's an it's an open door for the gospel. It'll keep you warm while you're sharing the gospel. I mean, Maybe if you're outside and help you look good. <laughs> these these hoodies are so versatile. They'll clean your house. They'll babysit your kids. <laughs> nah, I'll see like, you taking it too <laughs> these far. These hoodies will give you a better marriage. Like just <laughs> the culture proof hoodie is what is going to save America. I'm just kidding. Um, it's a way for you to support the ministry is what it is and we're really excited about them we actually love wearing them we think they're pretty cool um, because they are a statement in the culture that we live in we say that we are resisting those cultural trends that rival the truth and we intend to remain culture proof it's james 127b it is is keeping ourselves unstained by this world and so we invite you to join us make your statement Um, This is our second uh, restocking of the hoodies. We are so excited that they were such a hit on social media. And if you listen to the podcast and maybe you want to wear that there are hoodies, don't worry because they sold out and then we restocked them Mm -hmm. and they are in. We're going to put a link in the show notes so you'll know exactly where to go to get yours and get one for a friend. It's gift giving season and it's cold. And it's cold. And look, if you buy one, when you buy one, if you would take a picture and send it to us, oh, they, yeah, we would love to to show these beautiful hoodies on beautiful people. These are your statement hoodies. Boom. You know how they're statement tees, but it's too cold, so now it's statement hoodies. That's All right. right, go to straightedgeapparel.bigcartel.com <laughs> and pick yours up. We'll also put the links in the show notes.